0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Run, Try, Chat podcast, where your favorite podcasters get together for a virtual chat about issues in running, triathlon, and the endurance sport lifestyle. So sit back and enjoy.
1: It takes a lot to get to the top and a little just to fall off quick. And I think I've seen you here before. Sometimes you fly so high, so fast it makes you sick. Won the battle and lost the war. But I don't.
0: Welcome to the fifth episode of the Run, Try, Chat podcast. I'm Barb, also host of the Kelowna Girl Tries triathlon podcast, and the topic of today's show is going to be of particular interest to anyone who has ever considered doing a triathlon. So with me today are three very popular triathlon podcasters, and I think the four of us will be talking about the ins and outs of getting started in triathlon. So first of all, we've got Erin from Vancouver, BC, and she's probably the most experienced member of the panel today. Erin has been a triathlete for about eight years, and she is currently training for her second Ironman. She's got a podcast called Try in Reality, and although the show is currently on hiatus, we all keep hoping she'll put out a new one, um, her older episodes are still available on iTunes. So say hello, Erin. Hi. (laughs) <laughs> I said say hello, not hello. <laughs> okay, and next we have Jason. He's from the show Mainly Triathlon. Uh, he hails from Hope, Maine, and he's our, our lone American tonight, actually. And Jason did his first triathlon about five years ago, and he is currently training for a half Ironman as well. Hi, Jason. How are you?
2: I'm very good, Barb. How are you?
0: I'm dandy. And finally, we have another Canadian, Chad, from the Can Do Try podcast. Uh, this is Chad's third season, and he is also training for his first half-iron. So welcome, Chad. Hello, Barb. <laughs> and i got to say, we have a little delay issue with Chad, so we're always going to be very patient if Chad takes a moment to say hello. Um, you know, it's Saskatchewan, what can you say? You guys don't even have um, that uh, daylight savings time, do you? So that's probably why. All right. Yeah, so
3: we just legalized staplers, so what can you do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so with these three podcasting triathletes, we kind of represent a pretty wide range of ages, backgrounds, interests, and experiences, but I don't think any of us have really been doing triathlon for long enough that we've forgotten what it was like to be a newbie, and I thought it might be fun just if we started off the show by briefly talking about our very first triathlon experience um, kind of how and why we decided to do the race and how it went. So, Erin, why don't you give us a start off and tell us about your what was your background, what motivated you to get started, and what was that first experience like?
4: Um, I've always been a decent swimmer, and so at some point, I knew I would try a sprint triathlon, but I didn't think I would go as far as Ironman. But um, I had run a couple of marathons and was kind of sick of running and um, The running partner that I had was pregnant and wasn't able to run as much. And so I kind of stopped running and wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And um, my husband, Tim, actually sent me some information about a triathlon clinic that was starting up. And uh, it was women's only um, sprint triathlon. And they were training through November and December um, in order to train for the UBC marathon, which is the University of British Columbia um sprint and Olympic triathlon it happens in um March or April here. So um that was my first experience. It's a pool swim and um uh ride outside twenty kilometers and then a 5k run and it was pretty over- overwhelming and I remember wondering all the questions about you know where do you where do you change and how do you go from being in the pool to being on the bike to, you know, to running and how does it feel when you come off the bike and run and, but the clinic that I took really helped with a lot of the questions that I had. So well, That's awesome.
0: <clears throat> and, uh, you've done quite, probably quite a few triathlons now since then. have bet you can't even count anymore.
4: Yeah, I actually, I was trying to think of how many sprint and Olympic triathlons I've done. I've done quite a few, at least a couple every year, mm-hmm. but, um, that first UBC one was, um, I did that one a couple of times after that and then did the Olympic uh, version of it probably probably five times throughout the throughout my triathlon career. career. But, but I've uh, actually stopped doing it because it's too early and it's in the year and it's very cold. So mm-hmm. I usually wait until uh, April to do the first sprint triathlon.
0: And so then 2009 was your first big jump into Ironman, I guess. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I did my first half iron um, at Lake Stevens, uh, Washington in 2008 of July, 2008. And then I kind of thought, you know, Oh, maybe in a couple of years I'll train for Ironman. But again, um, my husband said, you know, why would you waste all that fitness that you've accumulated in training for the half Ironman? Why don't you just go right for the, the big show in 2009? And that's what I did. So.
0: And you did extremely well. I remember for your first <laughs> one. You, what, yeah. Well, I'm doing it again. So something must've, uh, yeah. something must've stuck, right? It didn't hurt too bad. There, that's awesome okay so um Jason uh, what about your first experience um, what did I say you'd been doing it for five years so a little not quite as long as Aaron and uh, you're just starting your first half iron
2: now right that's right I pretty much stuck with the sprints and Olympics up till this point
0: yeah so what was your first experience like what made you decide where did you what did you start with were you runner first or
2: a cyclist um I was mountain biking um, and all these cyclists would come every once in a while and they'd be all skinny and fast and I thought they were really cool so I said well I'm gonna hang out with those guys so I picked up road cycling and then four or five of those guys were triathletes and I really can't tell you what actually made me decide you know it was a fitness decision it was like those guys are really fit and I'm trying to get into shape you know I'm 30 whatever six at seven at the time so my goal was sort of fitness uh, but I remember it because unlike Chad or Aaron, I was not a swimmer. Um, I just became a swimmer today, actually, you now. And um, uh, I swam for the first time two weeks before it. I made it 25 feet maybe or and, and just was going to die. I did the whole swim for that triathlon with my head up out of the water, completely out <laughs> of the water. And I think it was like 400 yards and it took me 22 minutes.
0: Was it a pool so, swim?
2: No, it was a pond swim, but it was 4th of July. It was it was mm. plenty warm. I didn't have a wetsuit, obviously. Probably the funniest thing was I didn't know what to wear. I didn't know what to wear. So I'm like, okay, well, I can't swim in my bike shorts. That would be too weird. So I swam in, in my swimming trunks, and then I had my bike way over in the corner, upside down with a towel over it, and I changed behind them. I'm, I'm standing behind my little towel. This is in the middle of a big field. It's very... <laughs> It was very casual, right? You know, I mean, there were no bike stands or anything. It was just bikes laying all over the place. And so I'm hiding behind my towel and then changing. So there was some nudity involved. and
0: uh not really legal, is it?
2: Traveling? Well, like again, this was not – this is like a very homegrown – it was like yeah. 50 people doing this triathlete. So, um, I did okay on the bike and then I died again on the run. But I had such a smile on my face when I was done that first time and uh, – if you could, if you could bottle that feeling, yeah, uh, it would be awesome.
0: And so that was your first year. And that was my first year. How did yeah. things go from there? Then what you've been slowly building since then?
2: Yeah, it was um, just after then I got the bug, and I I actually did my first sprint, uh, first Olympic that same year, um, and then it was. And then it's been the same. It's been the similar pattern. It's been sprint olympic olympic i had three big races i've done every year and i've just kind of stuck with that pattern and then also added in um some century rides and some 10k runs and i, I didn't do my first half marathon until last year um so and then for some reason this year it's going to be all half iron man and marathon so we'll see how it goes yeah
0: do you see an Ironman man in
2: your future oh i think definitely some point yeah for sure i'm not going to I think uh, once the kids get a little older and that sort of stuff, because I'm, I'm you know very atypical triathlete. I want to do well, so it's going to require some time to to be able to train to the level I want to. So yeah, right. we'll, well, but definitely I'm I'm I look forward to it. I'm looking forward to see how the half goes. I'm I'm not I'm a, I'm a little nervous about it, so that's what I like about it too. That little bit of nervous energy or whatever it is.
0: You're going to do great. You're going to do great. I can't wait. I can't wait to see it. And when when is that? I can't remember now.
2: It is August 26th or 28th or okay. something like
0: that. Oh, like it's Iron Man Canada weekend. Hey, Aaron.
2: Oh, is it? Nice. Yes. Yeah. Same
0: weekend.
2: It's a Subaru and I'll be in Canada, so it'll be awesome.
0: Oh, neat. Okay. And uh, Chad, you can start thinking about talking soon because there'll be a little delay. Why don't you tell us how you got started and what your whole background was?
3: Sure, Barb. I guess I'm a little bit like Aaron. Uh, I'm a swimmer, and I was happily swimming basically three and 4,000 meters a day just for fitness. I mean, not really building towards anything because I hadn't competed since I was a young kid, like 16 years old. But I sort of, when I went to school, I got all busy, you know, studying and drinking beer and things. And (laughs) quite a few years later, I started swimming for fitness. And it's because I work on a campus and there's pools all around. So that's what I did. And some of the people who are at the pool were triathletes. And I knew that they were triathletes, but I considered that to be something exotic and bizarre and never really paid much attention to that. And then we, I moved in with Tanya and we got married and we lived in a house about 8K from work, which is a really nice commute compared to what I used to have. So I bought a decent-ish bike, road bike. And started riding that around and really having a good time. And now, suddenly, the only thing that was left from being one of those bizarre triathlete type guys who are, like Jason said, all ski and all these kinds of things. All I needed was to run. But the problem was, I've never run a yard in my life except when I was maybe eight and running from somebody who wanted to beat me up. So, um, that was, it was a real thing for me. So. I- I started talking to the guys in the pool and that's how I really learned about a lot of those things like what do you wear and how would you change and so I sort of felt that was that was huge for me being able to ask those dumb questions and being made fun of but getting the answer anyway so um, I made the decision and I and I were on holidays and I was putting it off and putting it off and finally I said yes I will do most triathlon in Saskatoon which is a pool thing and an urban bike ride and a little little run which was either 3k or 5k and at that point there was no way I could run 3k and so you know I'd been building up and I had reached as high as 2k and uh so I I uh, I actually emailed Glenn to sign up and he said no it's full
1: hmm.
3: so I thought well what do I do now now that I've built up this huge base of fitness I mean <laughs> I can run up to 3k now um <laughs> so I signed up for the next event that's around Saskatchewan which is uh it was in sort of the middle of June, and that was a a, a sprint triathlon, and I did it, and uh, it, it felt amazing. It felt really amazing to be able to run that 5k. My objective at that time was to run it nonstop, which I did, and uh, it was huge. And luckily enough, I had a pretty decent base in in uh, in cycling and in swimming, especially like the swimming. I ripped up the course. That felt really awesome. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, getting past and past and past on. Run led me to uh, really try try running a bit, and so um, I've done you know a few Olympics since then. And I just completed my first marathon. I focused very heavily on my running this winter, and I signed up with Team in Training and raised money for leukemia and lymphoma. And I completed the Rome Marathon just about three weeks ago.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. So to be able to train for a full marathon in Saskatchewan in the winter time is um, a tremendous challenge. And uh, I know you were running long, long distances at like way sub zero temperatures, so pretty amazing.
3: Yeah, we, there's limited opportunities for me to do things because we, I live in Saskatchewan and it's a very big place and, and there aren't a lot of races around to do. And there's more running races than there are tries. So um, I made the decision to, to do the marathon and I hired a coach and he drew up a schedule for me and I had to follow through and I set minus 20 as my limit for workouts. And it just so happened that this winter nearly every time it was minus 26 or something. And so I'd like to just say that my longest treadmill run was three hours and 45 minutes.
0: Oh my God, I can't even imagine. That's horrendous. (laughs) So you are now training for your first... Uh, half iron as well right and when is that
3: yeah it's a bit of a story there too i had signed up for uh, several races last year and um, one of which was august 4th was the calgary 70.3 and when tanya told me that we were expecting i said when are we expecting our our baby and she said august 4th and i said okay <laughs> so so much for that so um i missed my first iron last year i was all ready for it but um this year it's gonna be july 3rd and it's just outside of edmonton at a place called stony plain it's a very popular race for alberta saskatchewan people i don't know how many people from bc
0: well i've certainly heard of it i'm aware of it so uh, and i think my nephew did that race too so yeah that's good Okay, so. Great
3: White North Triathlon is the name of it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Great White North. <laughs> Aptly named. Edmonton especially. So yeah. my I guess my background was um, I was like one of those couch potato two athlete. I, I spent my entire life uh, never breaking a sweat. I hated exercise and I hated P.E. all through school, and so I never did anything. But I liked being outdoors, and I always liked riding my bike when I was a kid and teenager but um, basically doing nothing, and I just hit into my mid-40s and decided I I needed to get uh, in shape, and my husband rides a bike, so I started road biking in 2006, and I really enjoyed it, and I kind of wanted to do something competitive, but, you know, as a woman at my age, you can't competitively ride, you know, you can't ride crits or anything, there's, you know, you don't have that opportunity, especially around here, so... Um, I thought maybe I'd do a duathlon, and uh, I started running in 2007, but um, there's really almost hardly any duathlons around here either, but I was a total non-swimmer, just like you, Jason. I'd never really done much in the swimming end of things, and so I finally psyched myself up in uh, 2008 to start swimming, take some swimming lessons, and... And uh, I just kind of worked that whole year, 2008, was just with one single goal race at the end of of August to do my first sprint. And uh, I loved it. I mean, I did it very, very scientifically, you know. I mean, I was just right in there re- getting all my data down and reading and online, getting all the information and reading books and stuff. And I didn't really have a coach or a plan of any particular, but I certainly had lots of books to get ideas from. And I just loved it. And the whole feeling of being able to cross that finish line after being such a complete non-athlete. And all my friends and people I knew just were blown away that that Barb was actually doing anything athletic, let alone actually doing a triathlon. Nobody thought I would be able to do that. So, um, And I, I had to really get over that whole swimming, open water swim thing. That was really my biggest challenge. Plus uh, numerous uh, running issues that I has. anybody who knows me has heard that story. So I won't go on and on. But uh, anyway, um, you know, I, I did my first half iron last year. And I'm hopey, hopefully going to do a better job of it this year now that I think I've kind of got my running um, finally fixed. And I'm looking forward to that. And I don't know if I'll ever do a, an Ironman. I just, I just think I'm too lazy to do that amount of training. But I'll never say never because who knows what it'll be like. Um, so to kind of jump into some of the topics that we had, we had a lot of different topics that we could talk about, but I I want you guys to sort of jump in and, and throw out your thoughts. Like, how does a person get started? Uh, we all kind of built from our, our strength, you know, we, each of us had something that we were kind of new. And so most people, that's sort of what they do. Do you think people need to have training plans? Um, if you've been kind of fit, Uh, it's not quite as difficult to get into a habit of exercise, but if you're an absolute newbie and maybe you've only just been running a little or cycling a little, uh, even getting into a habit of doing regular exercise and regular training can be a challenge. So um, I don't know if I just want to throw it out there, if I should name somebody, say who's got a thought (laughs) and wants to talk a little bit about how to get started. What do you need?
4: How about you? you. (laughs) Uh, um, I'm always a joiner of groups. I think that's always the best way to get involved. And um, when I did start triathlon, that's what I did. I joined a clinic um, that trained three days a week, one of each, uh, one day of each sport, and then we were supposed to, um, you know, supplement that as well throughout the week. Um, but when I also wanted to train for a marathon um, or half marathon for the first time, and then a marathon, I joined a group as well. So um, I'm a member of um, technically two triathlon groups now. Um, and to have a coach. So I'm not somebody who is big on um, trying to do it yourself or trying to figure out, you know, how to do it yourself. I like to be able to get a plan um, and then follow it as opposed to try and map out a plan and then, um, and then follow it. So it's nice to have the, the camaraderie of other people that have done um, the sport as well because I know uh, 2009 when I did Ironman, um i mean obviously i had not done it before you know i'd seen it on tv i'd been to iron man canada to, to watch and i'd had friends that did it but having um the resources in my tri club to be able to ask all the seemingly crazy questions that you have um with any type of sport or any type of triathlon it really helps a lot
0: yeah, having a group, in, and I—I I was too f- afraid to do that. It's sort of like I wanted to keep it a secret that I was doing all this, except for my online experiences. But to my real life people, I didn't really want to get out there and have that. But I think it's a really good idea to have a to join a group or a club. You got someone to ask all those questions for. Yeah.
2: Jason, I was well. I was going to say that's very interesting because I was I was very uh, introverted, and you know, I didn't. I I was. I was Scared of like making thinking everybody was going to think I was a fool or no good at this or anything like that. So I was the over research person, you know what I mean? I read everything I could get my hands on, and before I, I even would show my face near any of my triathlete friends, I was I was okay, comfortable on the bike, but certainly not on anything else. So, but I I would agree. I would think that if if, if geographic location has a has like around here, there are no groups to join. So it, it would make it tough in that respect, you know, but I think there's always the opportunity from somebody to to trick a family member or a friend into doing it with you. You know, here's this event. Let's do it together. And at least you'll have that support together, because I think that's important to have the support of mm-hmm. somebody else, whether it's a group or a friend, to get out there and do those training runs and rides and swims that you might not, you know. You might just sit on the couch and finish drinking your coffee if you didn't have somebody yeah. else knowing they were going to be there for you.
0: That's right. You know, I, I found I really relied on on my online people to help me get through that first one. What about you, Chad? Did you have you joined any tri clubs?
3: We don't have any tri clubs. I really wish they did. Uh, we did. Well, we do have. There's a, Saskat, there's a Saskatoon Triathlon Club, but it doesn't really. They have a swim group and they have um, a relatively informal bike group. The challenge that I had there was that basically 95% of those people are Ironman TM kind of thing. And I, I felt scared to talk to them. But the people in my pool I was lucky enough to be able to talk to. And also I found that being a non-runner was a bit of a barrier for me because I find that a lot of the people who are in triathlon started as being runners um, and added on the swimming or added on the biking and me being a swimmer but a non-competitive swimmer, I didn't even have a competitive swimming to deal with. Yeah. So I'm like Jason, there are no groups around, and I did it myself, and I read books. And when I could, I would ask those people for help.
0: Yeah. So did anybody have like a training plan on your first one, or did you kind of just hit and miss? And do you think somebody needs a training plan? I, I guess I kind of think that, you know, you take whatever your strength is, and then you, you know, if, if if somebody's just starting out, they, I, I guess I think they should be, you know, swim twice a week, run twice a week, bike twice a week, you know, and you, and just kind of get into a pattern of regular exercise. And I'm talking about the absolute beginner, you know, whose goal is just to maybe complete a sprint or even a mini sprint or try a try type thing.
2: No, I think you're right. I think it's, I think it's just, just consistency. You know, mm-hmm. even if you only get. Say you don't even break it down to weeks. You just say, you know, there's all these days and I'm going to try to run this day, bike this day, swim this day, take a day off or some form and just try to get into a pattern, right? It must take 21 days to make a habit, right? So just trying to get into a pattern of getting out and and doing one of the things every day or every other day. It depends on your fitness level, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if you kind of get out there and you start looking at some of the training plans, especially if you look at stuff that's a little bit beyond you, it can become really daunting, and you can end up doing a whole lot more than you actually need to do. I mean, I mean, some people they're just going to be starting doing a couch to five k type run plan and and uh, swimming, being able to swim the distance without stopping is sort of. That was my goal. I would swim one length and take a break and swim one length, and then i my goal was to just keep working up till I could swim seven hundred and fifty meters without stopping.
2: Well, I know you're you're I was just trying to think what was the biggest fear, and I know mine was swimming. I would bet you were swimming too, yeah. but like Chad, what was your biggest like thing you thought about when you thought about your first race?
3: I was absolutely terrified of the run i just I was scared of running. And and how I dealt with that was um, I first started reading a book that explained how to run. And then what I did is I signed up for um, a a half-marathon training group. And that really, really helped me. And I think that it's easier to find help with your running than it is with the pool, at least around here. Mm.
0: I would think so. Although a lot of pools have master swim programs. I think I would probably recommend anybody who's just starting out – to look into the Masters swim program because my when I first heard of that I thought it was for like masters like it sounded like it was for really really good swimmers, and I didn't realize it just really meant you know adults who want to get together and swim you know and they have all sorts of levels of people in the Masters they got really good people in that far lane at the other end but even if you're a total you know well somewhat of a beginner you can be down in the in the little turtle lane and still be doing all the stuff that they're doing and you get a lot of help with that I think.
2: What about, what about you, Aaron? What was your, I mean, you seem like you were pretty confident at all three. What was your biggest?
4: <laughs> I'm putting on a good, uh, a good show then. Um,
2: yeah.
4: no, for me, I wasn't concerned about the swim, to be honest. I, I always feel sad when the swim is over in any triathlon <laughs> that I do because it's it's the one thing I feel good doing. Um, for me, I had been training for a marathon before and I had done half marathon. So it was really the bike, I had a, I started off doing triathlon on a mountain bike and I converted it, put some slick tires on it and, you know, tried to get it as, um, light as possible, but it was still, you know, it's st- I still have the bike. It's a heavy bike. So, um, going to races and, you know, the first couple of races I did were very sort of grassroots, um, entry level or like beginner, you know, friendly kind of races. And then I started doing a few other races in town, and they were very much, you know, there was an elite category, and and all of a sudden, your mountain bike is very obvious because everyone else has got not just a road bike, but some kind of fancy tri bike. So that was always the the thing for me was the the ride, the yeah, the ride.
3: Okay, I I, I meant to say this about my first triathlon, but remember how I said that I a relatively fancy bike and i was it was like the fanciest bike of anybody i knew and it was a cyclocross bike and and it was awesome and i signed up for this triathlon and i expected to show up and be you know relatively respectable because this is saskatoon it's a small place but i didn't realize the strength of the tri community and i wheeled in and the the bike that i felt so great about Ended up being pretty much the least fanciest bike there, and I was really okay with that. I mean, I looked around and I just thought, oh my god, I've never even seen a bike that looks like that. And uh, it ends up that I wanted to focus on having a little bit of fun in this first race that I was doing, so I attached one of those air horns on the side of the bike with the the bulb that you squeeze, you know, (laughs) those kinds of horns. And every volunteer that I rode by, I gave them a big honk <laughs> until there was some moisture in the air something, and the reeds stopped working on the way back. It was an out and back um, twice. So, oh, but they remembered gosh. me, and so it, it made for a really great story later. And I know that we're going to lead into bodily functions and things, but one of my worries was that I couldn't do the whole thing without peeing. And sure enough, that was the case, and so I exited the course. The next transition was for bathrooms, and I ran back onto the course. And nobody saw me leave the course, and they were all wondering where the hell this guy appeared from. And they're yelling at me, where did you come from? Did you cross the mat? And I didn't know what they meant, because I didn't know what the mat was. I just said, yes, yes. And everything (laughs) turned out great. So that was my bike break. And I'm considering putting that same air horn onto my cervello for our first race, which will be that little Moe's race Uh coming up soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is classic. I love that. That's wonderful.
3: That is very fun.
0: So... I mean, do you think everybody, anybody who's going to do their first race, do you think doing a, a sprint or a try-try is the way to go?
2: I wish we'd had a try-try a try around here. Like, uh, one of the tries I want to do in Nova Scotia, they have, it, and it's like, I don't know, what is it? Like, a, a 150 or a 200-yard swim, and that would have certainly encouraged me a lot more than a 400-yard swim, you know, so... Mm-hmm. And then there was this distance was so short, it was great. I wish I wish we did have one. I think it would encourage more people to do it because it is such a, you know, small distance.
0: But there are people out there who, um, you know, they get all excited and think, and the, they watch Kona or whatever, and then they decide they're going to do uh, Iron Man, and they, they go yeah. out and they do Iron Man, and that's their first race. Or maybe they'll while they're training for their first Iron Man, their first triathlon, they maybe do a, a race as part of their training, but that's basically all in the same year. Um, What do you guys think about that?
4: Well, I have friends that have done that, that have signed up for Ironman, never having done any type of triathlon, um, haven't been particularly good swimmers, and all within a year. You know, the good thing is that you have to sign up for Ironman a year in advance, so at least there's an opportunity to train. But there's a couple of people I know that have done that and were very successful. But I also know one gentleman in my tri club who um, signed up and did that and unfortunately didn't finish the swim in, in 2008 um, he went back in 2009 to, to do it and did it again last year as well, but, and he was successful, but I just thought it was a bit too much to take on, um, so quickly, especially when you haven't, you know, tried it out. I know I, I rode my mountain bike for quite a few years because I just wasn't sure that I wanted to invest the money in a road bike. Um, cause I wasn't sure if I was going to stick with it or go back to running or change and, you know, investing in a bike, is obviously expensive and finally decided that, yes, I was going to invest in the bike, but. Yeah, it's amazing to me that somebody would try, their first triathlon would be Ironman.
0: Yeah, well, having done a, even a half iron, I I can't even imagine jumping into it and going into that. And I guess I kind of, uh, I'm of the belief that, you know, you kind of got to pay your dues almost and work your way through. And unless you're, you know, in a really amazing fit athlete, you're young, you've done maybe a few half marathons or whatever, and you're a fairly decent cyclist. To get out there and do that kind of distance, and like you say, the swim too. Like, oh, okay, I don't know.
2: I have to imagine a lot of people. It doesn't sound like Aaron's friends were, but a lot of people. That must be a bucket list thing. I mean, yeah. It doesn't. I wonder how many people do that and then stay with triathlon for the next fifteen years or whatever. I guess a lot of yeah. people do it though, and they're successful. They do marathons, the first race. They'll do. I, I think knowing about it makes it even worse, right? Because mm-hmm. I know how hard it's going to be, and yeah. I don't want to try it. If you, I guess, if you don't have, you're just clueless to the whole thing, then you're going to yeah. go out there and do it.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess that's it. It must must be just something.
2: But I wouldn't recommend it.
0: Yeah, neither would I. Well, I don't know. I guess there's some youngsters that can get out there. Uh, like what are ages? You know, like I guess obviously I'm the oldest at 51, and I think Chad, are you the youngest? I'm 38. Thirty. Oh, you're just barely. So you and Aaron are both in your thirties, right? Yeah, for two more months. Two more months. Well, I, I thought I'd i <laughs> give you that, Aaron. I'd give you uh, that. Thanks. But and you didn't. But you didn't do your first. Obviously, didn't do your first triathlon until you were in your thirties, right? And yeah. um, Jason, you're in your forties.
2: Just turned forty-three in March.
0: Yeah. So you know, I think there's quite a few people that get to into their late 30s, early 40s, and then just kind of, and get started. Like, I, I think I see a lot of that, you know, not necessarily well, we're, we're that
2: getting start. old. We have to stay fit.
0: Yeah, well, you kind of get to that point where you just, you know, you're going to the point where you really think, gee, I got to, it's getting late. I got to start doing something. And also, you, maybe because you can afford it. It's like, I, yeah, I
4: was going to say, don't you think it's more of a uh, point in your life where you could afford to do the sport? Because it's, you know, insanely expensive. Yeah. You know, I'm just booking hotels for the training that I'm going to come up and do in your area, Barb. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a cheapy motel up in Penticton is $150 a night. You know, we're staying for a couple of nights doing training and, yeah. you know, driving. Not to, Oops, not to mention the um, the cost of the actual races, too, right? Mm. So.
0: so do you think it has to be really expensive to get your
4: to active your first
3: race? a... I have this big delay, sorry, Active.com had a thing that they published last year that they studied the demographics of their athletes and unfortunately they did not release the actual methodology that they were using to determine this. But they said that in their experience, the average triathlete is in their mid-30s and intends or did spend between $2,500 and $3,000 on triathlon that year and intended to continue both the spending and the competing, in at least the next year, that was what their survey said. I found that fascinating.
0: Yeah, well, I, I'd have to say that's probably what I've spent in a year. I mean, just just like you say, race race fees and hotels alone. You know, yeah, not
4: you do to, to, races.
2: Not to yeah, mention races. Yeah, and that's probably. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead.
4: No, I going say not to mention the bike and the wetsuit yeah. and yeah. yeah. No. Well, you that's know, that's why I
2: stayed. Costs. That's why I stayed in such small races for the first
0: mm-hmm. year
2: or two too because, I mean, the most I pay for a race right now is 80 bucks.
0: Yeah. So yeah. If, you have, if you're going to do your first race, um, you know, you don't need to spend all that money. You don't need to have all that stuff. Yeah. What are the minimum things you think need to be, somebody needs to have? So why don't you give us a couple ideas, Chad?
3: Well, the first thing that I needed was bike shorts. I didn't have any bike shorts. And after I started biking a little bit, that became a requirement, and I was pretty relieved to find out that I could also run in those. I was really unsure about that when I first started, mm-hmm. but it ends up that it works out okay. And then, a sort of, other, you know, running clothes are really, really important to maintain personal dignity wherever you can. And I think bike comes last, really. I mean, wetsuits are fairly inexpensive, and for me, I only bought my first really nice bike around around now, so... I think it's pretty easy to compete for a with a bike that's between five hundred and a thousand dollars. So, I think getting started with being comfortable.
0: Yeah, bike shorts are pretty much. Uh, well, I guess you don't have to, but man, oh man, they're they're a pretty cheap investment for for pretty good payback. And a bike, you can even uh, borrow a bike on your first one. And uh, uh, obviously, mountain bikes are, are perfectly acceptable. So a lot of people have them. What else do you think a uh, first timer needs, Aaron?
4: Well, I would definitely agree with the bike shorts. Um, again, I guess it would depend if it's a pool swim or if it's, um, uh, you know, lake swim or ocean swim. But mm-hmm. um, some type of wetsuit if you're doing an outdoor swim, certainly in, in my area. Yep. But yeah. um, I think for my first triathlon indoors, it was indoor um, swim. I wore just a regular bathing suit and then put my bike shorts on over top. And then you know, like you said just wore them for the run as well. So you don't need a whole lot of stuff during that first time when you're just
0: getting used to everything. That's right. You don't have to go out and buy the disc wheels and the arrow helmet, do you? <laughs> I, know. I know people who do that though. But uh, yeah, the whole that's the whole thing about the wetsuit, you know, if you have to, you know, you need to research the race you're going to do and if you are uh, for me, there are no pool swim triathlons in my area. Um, they're all lake swims and most of the time their wetsuit um, are allowed and so of course I want to take advantage of that so I had bought a used wetsuit and spent I think 150 bucks which wasn't too bad and it was a good quality so I was happy with that very very reliant emotionally on that wetsuit and then two days before my race um they took the temperature of the water and said, hmm, it's kind of warm, we may not allow wetsuits. And of course, I just panicked, absolutely panicked. I had no idea if I could even swim that entire distance way over my head without a wetsuit. I mean, I knew I could, but I didn't know if I'd m- emotionally be able to do it. And so I had to change my whole plan of what I was wearing, too. And I ended up doing this it without a wetsuit. I wore a swimsuit, and then I pulled bike shorts on over top of my swimsuit, and... uh I did the rest of the race in that and it was hot out so I was fine but it wasn't really comfortable but it wasn't bad and I wish I'd had tri shorts because those bike shorts were too padded to, um, and trying to pull them on, on a wet body that slowed down my transition time quite a bit but uh, yeah if you can get a, a pool swim or a warm enough swim where you don't need a wetsuit that's nice um, what else do you think we need Jason is there anything we haven't mentioned that uh, you think somebody who's a first timer absolutely must have
2: Mm, it's hard to say i definitely agree with everybody i mean everybody's always worried about the bike but i think one of the things that'd be good for somebody to do if they could is go to a triathlon because that was the first thing that amazed me the first sprint i went to it was every shape and size of people and bike and stuff you know i expected to show up and everybody was going to be you know six three blonde 140 pounds and fast you know and it was it was it was amazed me it's like anything else like a marathon or anything else that and and so it would have made me feel a little more comfortable knowing who was going to be there. Um, but as far as there's things, good pair of running shoes um, is nice to have. Uh, go, uh, make sure your goggles, if your goggles leak or anything like that, that can be a real pain yeah. in the butt. Um,
0: well, the good quality goggles are worth
2: Yeah. It took me, well, again, uh, as, as us not swimmers, it, it took me two years to find a pair of goggles that didn't leak. Mm-hmm. and 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 if you're you know uh five minutes into your fifteen minute swim and your goggles start leaking and and there's people all around you it's not a good situation yep. panic Agreed. the panic ensues, but no i can't think of anything try i agree try shorts i think try shorts are worth the extra money they um and you okay. can get them so easily now
3: online yeah. it's not like a big deal.
0: Yeah, and you don't wear underwear under tri shorts, do you, people? I
3: think Jason made a really great I think Jason made a really great point. Go and see a triathlon and I yeah. wish that around here when I wanted to do it, I could have. Unfortunately, I'm I guess I'm like Jason and that there's a limited number of races nearby. But we do have a couple here that are later on in the season. And if you can go and see, boy, that makes a lot of uncertainty kind of go away and it gives you food for thought and it's it's a great opportunity so jason's exactly right go see one
0: yeah I, and i had that opportunity i i made a point of going to one and watching to see and i walked through transition i just sat there i wrote i took notes i was watching every little thing how do they get out what do they do when do they take their wetsuit off how do they do that you know i mean there were so many things that i i was just glued on one of the things that um nobody's mentioned that i kind of was wondering about is um people might wonder about is whether or not you need bike shoes and clipless pedals and uh, I guess I think if you're an accomplished cyclist and you're comfortable with that you know you're going to want to have you know you're going to probably have clipless pedals and bike shoes if you're riding a road bike but if you're not um, you don't have to and even if you've just bought a road bike you can have platform pedals and just have running shoes on your first race and and uh, it's perfectly acceptable, and it makes, simplifies your transition a little bit too. And it gives you one less thing to worry about. And I wonder what you guys think if you
2: agree with that or. Yeah, I would agree. I would. I would even say no. You know, platform pedals and running shoes are a better choice for your first one.
4: Yeah, I would agree as well. I know um, one of the things I was thinking about too is that I use this, those uh, stretchy laces, so that when I yeah. you know, when I do change out of my bike shoes into my running shoes. I just slip they're like slip on runners. But I you know, obviously I use them all the time and I know they work and I've practiced with them. But um yeah, I would suggest for somebody new, don't even bother with uh clipless pedals, just use your runners the whole way through. It makes it a lot easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And uh you know anything I I, we all know this, but a lot of beginners don't don't do anything new on race day. I mean that's just so classic, but it yet people continually get brand new stuff for the first time and uh anything that you're even thinking about using in your race you want to practice and test with and have during your training So what about fueling? I mean, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. People are doing sprint triathlons. They're doing um, tri-tries. They see lots of advertising and stuff out there about all these power gels and Gatorade and all this stuff. Do you need a whole bunch of uh, fuel when you're only doing a race that's going to last maximum an hour and a half?
2: No, I'd say not. It's a funny thing. I was just thinking that, too, because I'm always laughing. I shouldn't say laughing. I'm always interested when I go through transition and you'll see somebody in a sprint distance, and they'll have four gels laid out. Yeah. And it's – and, you know, and and, and they somehow – and I remember listening to Gordon's show, and I think in the beginning he was the same way. He's like, somehow my, my lack of ability or endurance or physical fitness will be made up by – if I eat some food. And, 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 and I, I won't get tired, but – anything under 90 minutes and you really you know if you got you're going to have to have a you know something for breakfast but anything under 90 minutes i don't maybe i'll drink a little water
4: yeah for a sprint i would eat 2 hours ahead of time whatever my regular breakfast is or meal is and then on the actual race or during the actual race i would just have a bottle of Gatorade on my bike and drink all of that in like a 20k ride and then nothing on the run maybe water at a water stop but you don't need much more than that
0: yeah, I agree. And I, I, this was a big concern to me when I first started. I really was worried about needing something. Um, I found with my sprints, I do go through the water, and I don't can't do Gatorade, so I usually have uh, noon or or now I've been trying to Hammer and Lights just to have a little electrolytes in my water. And I often am too nervous in the morning to eat a decent breakfast, so sometimes I'll have a gel right before the like 15 minutes before the race just to give me a little bit of fuel cuz i haven't had any breakfast or almost nothing but um, i think half the time it's more of a mental thing for me just to, i know i've had something in me um, but uh, yeah you don't need to worry about having all these power bars and all this extra stuff hey i'm not sure if we've lost jason so i might have to add him back in here it Do looks have like any? Yeah. Do you have any comments about that, uh, Chad? While well, I'm seeing if I can add Jason back in?
3: Yeah, for sure. I have a bit of a story, and it's it's basically the root of all this podcasting stuff. Back when I was, before I was a triathlete and I was just cycling to work and back and having fun, I wanted podcasts. And being from Canada, I listened to lots of CBC types of stuff, and I started listening to this lunatic and the lunatic show was called Zen and the Art of Triathlon, and this <laughs> I just was recording stuff, you know, and it, and I was totally amazed. I was blown away, and this was basically my introduction to to triathlon. Just listening to him talking about his latest five hour ride, where he was eating sugar packets to keep going, and and I just thought it was yeah. the most bizarre thing, and that sort of led me to to learn a little bit more about what the hell is a gel and why do I need to be eating salt maybe and and it was amazing so i learned a whole lot about things just by osmosis because at that point i don't remember him explaining very much um i remember him just talking matter-of-factly about what he was doing and it was amazing so i highly recommend listening listening to podcasts it's a good idea
0: well one of the reasons go, go ahead aaron
4: Oh, no, I just going to say that um, Zen and the Art of Triathlon and the Age Grouper were the first two podcasts that I started listening to when I was training for my half iron. And I remember um, thinking the same thing, that Brett was like absolutely insane. And, you know, the, the Age Grouper, the two guys there seemed to have a little bit more practical knowledge. And, you know, one guy had a family and, you know, it just seemed like a little bit more down to earth. But the combination of the two made for very entertaining runs, for sure.
0: Yeah, and one of the reasons that I, I kind of asked the f- the three of you guys to come is I didn't want to have anybody on here that's way too hardcore because I think a lot of people just tend to get, even though they are all amazed at, at what really good, s- experienced athletes can do, it, they have a difficult time relating to anyone who doesn't remember what it's like to be a newbie, you know, and they think this is what I have to do. So uh, that's kind of why I, you know, I thought you guys would be a good choice to get on here. Now, I'm just struggling trying to get Jason back on. I keep trying to add him, and he's he's definitely gone.
4: Maybe the library closed down, and they're turning off their Wi-Fi for them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Poor Jason. He's got such a struggle. He's got, like, dial-up at uh-huh. his house, right? His little town is so small. Yeah. Sorry, Jason. I don't know what else to do with you. Well, we're kind of getting close to the end. Um, Anyways, um, I guess the other thing, there's so many things. This could be a topic that could go, you could make a whole show about this. In fact, I think I have. Um, (laughs) I know when there's 10 items on the list here. Yeah, I know. Uh, You know, I guess bricks. Do, does everybody know what a brick is? You know, I mean, a lot of for triathletes, I think the biggest thing they need to remember, I think it's probably one of the hardest things to do, is to do that whole transition thing and practice doing transitions. So, Aaron, why don't you talk about that a little bit? The most um,
4: yeah, It's the most unpleasant training, um, I don't know, workout that you can do. But I guarantee you, as you continue on um, doing it, it does get less and less... Painful and uh, uncomfortable to get off your bike and run, and in some ways, I actually feel like I get off my bike and run better than I run just going out for a run. At least at the beginning, because you're already warmed up. But I know at the beginning, um, you know, when I was first getting into triathlon, it was something that I hated to do, and I didn't really follow a plan, so I um, I didn't do it. And so, you know, a couple of weeks before the triathlon, I'd be like, oh man, I should probably do some brick workouts and it was always extremely painful but uh i think the key to it is just like anything else is just keep practicing it and you know do your 20k ride or do your um you know your 10k ride and get off and run for 5 minutes even you know or, or a kilometer or you know t- just a little bit to get your your body used to going through that transition
0: yeah what do you think chad
3: um yeah, she's right. Stick, stick to five minutes, especially for beginners. I found that some of the people that I've talked to that are just about to race, the beginners are very, um, preoccupied with the idea of breaking And I'm just not sure that it's too productive for them to be so preoccupied with it. Maybe it's a little bit like when I was running the marathon and I was preoccupied with the 20 mile mark, um, because I was told that the marathon was half over at 20 miles. I think it's just something that you have to experience. And for the beginners, if you did 50 bricks before your sprint triathlon, I don't know how much it'll help, you know. So you have to do a few, definitely, so that you understand what you're in for, for sure. I mean, you know, how else are you going to know? But I don't think that people should be preoccupied with it.
0: Yeah, I always agree agree with that. I, I know a few people who were talking about, you know, trying to do, you know, bricks, I don't know, two or three bricks a week. And I was thinking, you know, if you if you do two or three one, do once a week, two or three weeks before your race, you're probably fine. You know, especially if it's a, sp- pr- a sprint or a tri. Try just to get your legs used to it, and do a few short runs. You don't have to do the whole thing. Uh, one other thing I think is I found was really helpful for me mentally was doing um, a practice triathlon. Um, I just like did it myself i I set myself up down at the beach and i I went and I swam the distance. I jumped on my bike, I made up my own little course, and then I ran after and I did that about a month before my race just to see if I could actually do it and uh, having done that made me made a huge amount of confidence Now, I had a lot of time because I was training for almost like I had eight months to train for a sprint, <laughs> so if you have that chance to kind of do yourself a little mini race it 's um, it 's good for the psyche, I think.
4: Yeah, the first triathlon that we did with two
3: the, the sorry.
4: No, I was just gonna say the first triathlon that we did with the, this clinic was in November, October, November, December. So there was no triathlon to do in December. So we just did um you know, the group just put on their own triathlon and we did that a couple of times throughout the clinic where you would just, you know, you'd bring your bike in, you'd go through the motions of doing the whole thing. Um, not as long as a sprint triathlon, but just in a sort of mini version of that. But it definitely helps and gets you well-practiced
3: for the the day. I'm involved at the moment with uh, a women's tri-tri, and it's put on by a group, and they're based at the YWCA here in Saskatoon. And I'm mostly helping them out uh, in my role, my new role as a Triathlon Canada Level 3 official Mm -hmm. and as a webmaster. And I'm really excited to see the kind of program that they put together, and it's very, very focused on fun. Their target demographic are... um, people women who aren't particularly active and they get all together and they set up a transition area and they talked about transition and they talked about what you would wear and meanwhile they were training these people to run two and a half cane it's just such a fantastic idea and uh they've they've done it for a number of years and i'm really looking forward to being involved this year and and i I just would really hope that people would have that available to them because that's totally invaluable getting together with a group of people who are Learning for the first time it's awesome
0: yeah, that sounds kind of like aaron's idea about having the a tri group to belong to, but if you can go to some kind of uh, i mean uh, having a cl- the tri club, but if you can go to a group or a lesson of any kind of thing that's put on even by the y y a w c a and y m c a and our uh, town has some good programs that they for people are doing their first race. A lot of times, too, the actual race itself will have uh, clinics and for beginners. So that's another thing to be looking for is finding a race, a race that's, um, I don't know, kind of sort of set up and good for beginners. There are good ones out there. Uh, so uh, just to jump back to Jason, he's um, offline, so I can't even add him back in. So I'm not quite sure what happened. But sad to see you go, Jason. The I guess the last thing I want to just to maybe we can quickly touch on kind of combining a couple of topics is just avoiding injury because uh, I think particularly with running, um, especially if you have been a non-runner, runner, running injuries seem to be the biggest problem. And also just sort of common mistakes that uh, beginner triathletes will make. What are some things you might have a comment or two about that? how About you, Aaron. I don't, I'm trying to think,
4: but I don't think I've had an injury as a triathlete. I definitely had ITB and different shin splint issues as a new half marathon and then marathon runner.
0: In mm-hmm.
4: fact, the, the first marathon I had signed up for was the Victoria Marathon, and I ended up having to walk it because I was injured at the time. But I honestly can't think of an injury that I've had as a triathlete. And I think even training for Ironman, you get that variety of training that kind of gives your body or different parts of your body a reprieve mm-hmm. throughout the week. So, mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I definitely go at least once a month for um, a massage of my legs. And, you know, sometimes I have to go more, but um, I can't think of anything that I have had that was sort of debilitating or had me stop um, training for any length of time.
0: So I'm going to put that down because you were a runner before, you know, and you'd done like you'd come from the marathon, half marathon. So you, you had that strength, I guess. And I bet you that's probably why you've not had to deal with it so much as a triathlete. Whereas somebody who's new to running, when they start triathlon, is they've got that additional burden. What do you think, Chad?
3: Um, I very promptly injured myself when I started running. Um, It wasn't a serious injury, but I had sore parts. Where now that I've been running for quite a while you know I don't know if a couple of years is quite a while but I trained for my whole marathon and I've been injury free for the last whole bunch of it I had a brief injury in in December but I definitely feel that getting involved with a clinic helped me with injury prevention because there was a coach there who would actually watch me and say no you need to do this or no you need to do that and it was one thing to see it in a book or to see it online but while learning to run having somebody actually watch you is very productive to me and i think that in in the long run that's what's helped keep me injury free i'm really really proud that that i did this marathon um i trained so hard and basically for the last three months no injuries and and it's something that i had to learn
0: yeah that's great well i think those are some that's some good advice from both of you Um, there's a lot of other things we could talk about and, uh, we've already been on here for a little over an hour. So I think we're going to kind of have to wind it up. Um, I want to wish you both well on your races and, uh, why don't you just kind of give us a little quick little plug for your, your shows or your blogs or whatever you'd like to, to give a plug to.
3: My show is at can and, uh, I've been sort of airing a show every month or so over the winter because we have a new baby and it was really hard for me to sort of keep everything together with training and all. But normally I have a show every couple or few weeks. And um, I'm, I guess I kind of modeled my show after bread a lot. I like to record while I'm on the go because lots of stuff seems to happen to me when I'm on the go. I get nearly hit by cars and mm-hmm. chased <laughs> by dogs and other similar things. Um, I also... I'm really interested in a lot of scientific aspects, and I try to, to review some papers every now and again, and I follow very carefully. I really enjoy shows like The Age Grouper as well. Um, or David Warden's show, I really enjoy because he talks, he has all these papers. Um, one of the things that really blew my mind that I heard on David Warden's show was a show that talked about the, uh, fact that you're supposed to eat recovery stuff within 30 minutes after a workout, that there's actually no science behind that, and that blew my mind. Oh, really? So, I like, you know, dealing a little, a little bit with those scientific, um, aspects like I researched and I found out for one of my shows that, uh, treadmill running is indeed hard, both physiologically and psychologically. And that made me feel really good. So, so I tend to throw in some stuff like that in my shows. And I know that over the winter, um, I was basically all running, but now that we're back into spring, uh, I'll talk a lot more about swimming and, and biking. I also like to record when I'm volunteering in places and, uh, I have interviews and things, so I basically have a great time. come join me
0: <laughs> do and i And I can tell you that uh, I really enjoy chad 's show he's uh, it's very well produced, and I want to say that uh, the sound on his show is is excellent compared to right now Chad, you have to know that you're um, not only got the delay but your the sound <laughs> of your voice sometimes it speeds up and sometimes it kind of slows down, but chad doesn 't really sound like that on his show. <laughs> But, uh, it's just the nature of Skype sometimes, I guess, a little bit of weirdness going on there, but thank you, Chad. And Aaron, I know you are, if you thought about doing another show, I know you thought about it, but are you going to manage to sneak out a show once in a while now that you're training for another Ironman? Yeah,
4: I know. I've thought a lot about doing it. I just never actually get to doing it. And I have hardly, um, updated my blog in the last couple of months as well. But, um, I did have a show, I, maybe we'll say that, that, um, I kind of walked everybody through my journey through to uh, 2009 Ironman Canada. And it's only 13 episodes, but you know, if you wanted to get a perspective of what um, that might be like, you can listen to that. It's not very well produced, I'll tell you that. Um, but I think it does give a good perspective of, um, of how it is to train for your first Ironman. And um, I do have a blog at erinleetriathlon.com. And I do update it every couple of I'm gonna say weeks slash months. But um it's been difficult with um my my new job as well to get everything organized. And I do have a uh a son as well. So he's uh but he's eleven, so I'm not in the same boat as you guys where you've got young, very young children. My my eleven year mm. getting ready to move out almost. He seems yeah. to be that mature, so
0: <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole topic right there is, you know, the whole training with kids, you know, and, and Chad with a brand new baby and Jason's got uh, a new baby as well as a toddler. So, um, you know, that's just been just the whole idea of doing that is awesome. And, uh, oh, geez, I had Jason back on just for a millisecond. I thought he could at least say goodbye. <laughs> but uh, I can't seem to keep him on here. Um I'll put both those, uh, the links to all the shows in the show notes, so I encourage anybody who's listening to this show to join, uh, to check it out and and, uh, look for their shows. Jason um, has a show called Mainly Triathlon, and his show is called Mainly because he's from the state of Maine, almost said province, Uh, so it's ringing for him, so maybe he can say goodbye to us, I don't know, and he's got a great show too, he uh, also does a lot of variety. Are you there? No, I came up busy. Oh, oh. oh well, I tried. Or oh, maybe he's trying to call me. Maybe that's what that ringing was. I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll put this, this all three of them. I wish you guys all well. Now, yeah, so we've got three of us doing half half irons this year. And uh, two of you guys, it's your first one. For me, And in some ways, I kind of feel like it's my first, hopefully my first legitimate one because I don't count my last years because I did so much walking on my run. And Aaron, I'm looking forward to watching uh, you at Ironman Canada. I'll be down there at the end of uh, August watching you go across the finish line, I hope. And uh, Are you hoping to better your time? Barbara, are you volunteering? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll volunteer. I haven't. Uh, I did last year. I I volunteered to volunteer at the last minute because they had a problem, but uh, I didn't uh, end up being used, so down and watch anyways. And we're doing Oliver together too. Oh right. That's yeah. right. Erin and I are actually doing a race together. So yeah. I'll be uh she'll be way ahead of me cuz she'll be finished to swim in about half the time I do. So uh then you yeah. can pass me on the bike? I'm I have a feeling that you've caught up with me on the bike. So I think that uh that will um I'll just you'll be able to watch me cross the finish line. Let's put it that way. I expect you to be cheering me when I come across the finish line. Yeah. Looking An hour, 45 minutes after you, maybe an hour past you. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I'm
4: looking Hey, Erin, can I
3: ask you a couple of questions?
0: Yeah, sure. Do you want to
4: do it after or or now? Let us be part of the well, show. Oh, well, okay.
3: Barb can hear. Yeah. If you want to have a part of the show, that's fine. Oh. Um, so when I decided to do this marathon, and again, it was my first one, and, and for me it was huge, uh, I decided back in uh December following my my injury that I would use a coach and I really really liked using this coach. He's he's a fairly well-known coach locally and I was describing my experience with him to somebody else and that he really did not care about my feelings at all. He basically gave me lists of workouts and he would monitor me on Garmin Connect and make small suggestions like, you really blew that run, didn't you? And things like that. But in the end, I had hundred percent compliance and I felt really confident going into my marathons. So do you think that using a coach for a half Ironman is going to be a productive thing? And if so, do I need to have somebody in person or have you used virtual coaches?
4: Oh, that's a good question. Okay. So for my half, my, I had never used a coach before um, I joined the clinic to do my first triathlon, but then every other triathlon after that, I just kind of winged it with a lot of, um, you know, not some success and then some not so successful as well. But when I decided to sign up for Half Ironman, I thought this is a long enough race that I need to have somebody telling me what to do. And I've got a lot of time that I'm going to be spending training here if I do it right, that I don't want to waste any Workout, or any time that I have to be away from my family and only, um, and and not do the right thing. So I actually signed up with the uh, the Peak Center, and I I know there's a couple of these across um, across Canada, but basically I had like lactate uh, threshold testing done, and they created a, a workout for me, and I would go to their location and do some of my workouts, and I had trainers there that were available. But in general, it was just, you know, working out on my own, they gave me a program once a month, and I just did whatever was on the calendar. But again, when I went to train for Ironman Canada, I wanted something, the peak center was a little bit, um, it wasn't triathlon specific, they train all different types of athletes. And I wanted something that was more specific to triathlon. And so I actually uh, signed up with a coach that is in Penticton which is the city where Ironman Canada is and he you know I'm in Vancouver so I never saw him at all I saw him a couple of times um for training camps and I saw him once before the race that week of the race and he was similar to what you're what you're describing it's you know he would comment on my Garmin data I would call him once a month we'd have a conversation but there wasn't really that um I don't know that that relationship type type Thing where you wanted to to work hard or you know you, you felt like you were getting that type of support, that sort of personal or emotional support. Mm-hmm. and then this year, the coach that I've gone with is actually in town he he's um, I'm part of his club. He runs with the other club that I um, have joined as well, and so I can speak with him. I went for coffee for like three hours with him last night after our track workout. And I can email him at any time and I get that sort of more emotional support, those quick questions that you want to have answered. But I think for Half Ironman, yeah, definitely you, it's a good investment to go with some type of a coach. Do you want to give him a little (laughs) bit of a plug? My coach?
0: Yeah. Um,
4: Yeah, my coach is, uh, his name is Kelvin and uh, his uh, company is called Finish Line Coaching. And uh, he's both on Facebook and Twitter, and he's got his own um, website as well at finishlinecoaching.com, and he's fantastic. He's, he coaches all levels of athletes, everyone from me who is sort of your average age grouper all the way up to people who have, um, are quite uh, elite, you know, age groupers who are qualifying for Kona easily, <laughs> um, and everybody in between. So.
0: And, and does he do some online coaching as well? Oh yeah, yeah, from out of town. So yeah, if absolutely. other people are listening to this and were are interested in, in <laughs> coaching, he would be available, right? Yeah. He coaches, he
4: sends me my workouts through training peaks, which is a, I, you know, it's an online program where I can, and I could, there's an app for it on the, um, you know, on my iPhone. So I can log my workouts there, but um, mm-hmm. he provides workouts every two or three weeks. So he'll look at what I've done last week, what races I have upcoming. And he'll actually, cater my, my next two weeks or three weeks of workouts to what I've been able to do. So if I, you know, missed a couple of workouts for, you know, because of work or because I was on vacation, he then can tailor that, um, in the next couple of weeks. A lot of coaches, um, well, I shouldn't say a lot of coaches, but there's, if you're buying sort of a canned plan, there's no flexibility with that program. If you miss a week of workouts or you miss a couple of days of workouts, it just keeps on going. There isn't that opportunity to, to rejig it and have it um, change based on what you've done. So
0: That is something to look for in uh, a coach if you are thinking about getting a coach. Right. I would agree. Yeah. Did that? Did that answer your question? Tomorrow? My
3: big question is: I've spent so much time training for this marathon that I want to make sure that I continue on doing the right things to spell success on the run in the half iron. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's in the meanwhile until I get that sort of advice. I've been maintaining, which I guess I'm supposed to be doing after a marathon anyway. So yeah, I'm just having trouble figuring out how to select a coach, and I think word of mouth is probably the best way.
0: Definitely, I think. And if you can find somebody, I, I guess if I go with the coach again, I've, ha- I've been very happy with the two um, coaches, online coaches I've had. Um, they've met my needs at the time for what I was looking for. But if I do a big race and I decide to get a coach, I'm going to go with um, Rob Swan, who's from Critical Performance, who's in town here. And uh, just because he's somebody I know and I've met and I know that he would give me that kind of support that Darren's talking about. And I can call him up and say, hey, you know, I'm doing this next week or this has changed. or, And I would, I, I'm looking, I'm actually going to get him to give me some coaching for uh, from one-on-one swim coaching in the next couple of weeks. He's just going to go down the pool with me and give me some stroke improvements ideas. And uh, I actually did a lactate threshold test with him today, this morning, so...
3: Um, you know, having someone. Uh, How did your eat? test go, Barb? Tell me about the test.
0: I passed.
3: <laughs> or will that be in your show?
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, what is to say? I got on the bike and I, I rode and rode and rode and he uh, poked my finger and took blood and and uh, measured my lactate and my my lactate threshold heart rate is lower than what I've been training with up until now. So um, that means I have to actually ride even slower than I was before. <laughs> so, you know, it's all good. Um, the, the, he gave me a ton of information. He gave me power zones and everything and uh, sat down and spent a lot of time helping me, you know, explaining everything to me. So it was really, really interesting. And I was kicking myself that I didn't take my recorder because it would have been, made some great audio to add into my show. So much information. And then we did a bike fit. And uh, he changed my bike quite a bit, raised my seat up, moved it fully forward, took some rings off my, you know, like did a whole bunch of stuff because I didn't realize he was a certified bike fitter. So I'm really excited about that. I'm going to go out for a ride on Sunday and sort of see how things go. So.
3: Wow, that's so exciting.
0: Yeah. So I'm pretty kind of excited about getting, now I'm thinking, geez, maybe I should get my lactate threshold taken again you know, in like another month or two and see. <laughs> so all that stuff gets starts costing money. He gave me some pretty nice deals, though, I have to say. So um, I, if, you're, if anybody who's local listens to this show, I have no <laughs> idea if anybody from Kelowna listens to this show, but I would definitely recommend Rob um, Swan from Critical Performance as a, another good coach for the same reason. So um, does anybody else have anything they wanted to throw out there before we sign off?
4: Um, just your comment about the bike fit. That's something I think that a new triathlete would benefit from as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if the bike is not comfortable, then you're not going to want to get out and ride it. And I definitely noticed, I mean, I went years without getting a bike fit. And when I did get my bike fit, I couldn't believe that my bike was actually comfortable because I just assumed it always was, you know, that's just what you had to put up with. But
0: mm-hmm.
4: getting a bike fit makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah, and especially if you're trying to save a few dollars and buying a used bike, be really careful because I think buying a used bike is a great thing to do, but be super careful that it fits you and or can be adapted to fit you. And there's lots of things they can do to tweak a bike to make it fit you better, but the frame size has to be close, and I think it's worthwhile taking a, a used bike into a, a bike shop and having them check it out to see if it's you it know, work, will work for you before you uh, spend the money on it.
3: I can just say a couple of things about the bike fit too. You don't have to have a million dollar tri bike to to benefit from a bike fit. Um When I did my first couple of athlons, I was using a road bike with clip on aero bars and and things like that, and and a bike fit even there was very helpful for me, and it made me feel a little bit more confident that I was doing all that I could do to be able to run as best as I could because at that point I was so scared of the run that. I would have considered anything. But they moved things around and they said, um, yeah, with this bike and this geometry, this is as good as you're going to do. So I think it's really useful.
0: Yeah, actually, that's what I found with mine. Um, Because I have a road bike, I don't have a tri-bike, and I'm not sure if I'll ever get a tri-bike unless I win a lottery. Um, He was taking... My road bike setup was absolutely fine. He said there's nothing wrong with that setup for a road bike. But if I wanted to to do uh, have it for triathlon and be more aero and start using my aero bars in a little bit more efficient way. I was too stretched out and uh, he just found a way to tweak it so that it was more effective for triathlon. So um, yeah, I think it was, uh, I'm really excited to, to get out there and see how it goes now. So one last chance for anybody to say anything's important, pressing, exciting all right i'll take that silence to mean that you're uh <laughs> it's all good i really appreciate you guys being on here today um i think that you know um it's i think it's really interesting for people even people who haven't done a triathlon there's a lot of runners out there that just kind of think a little bit about it and uh sometimes they kind of wonder gee how do i get started so um check out all the everybody's podcasts and everybody's uh, blogs and um and uh, thanks for listening. I'll say goodbye to you. And I also want to throw out a quick thank you to the 12 people who have give, given Run, Try, Chat uh, podcast, um, either iTunes reviews or or just hitting the the star button because we've got 12 ratings already. And uh, it's Toolmaker42, L.A. Jason Morific, or who's Mo, I guess, uh, Palmetto Runner, uh I think it says Clydesdale running, Gonzo, Monica, Franks, and Chris Duffy. Plus, there's one in Canada. I'm trying to remember who it was, but I won't make a guess because I can't remember. So I have to go to each country to be able to tell. But thank you so much. You know what? Run, Try, Chat was actually in the, um, what do you call that? When you first get new and noteworthy for all podcasts new and noteworthy for all podcasts. That is
3: awesome. That's fantastic, Barb. Yeah. Congratulations. I'm super excited. Well, it's not about me. It's about all, all, all the very cool people that are, people that want
0: are to hear that come on the, on the show.
3: So we've got another show, show coming to up, too, to that
0: we're down. going to be um, recording probably in the next week or so. We're finally getting on to a minimalized running one that's got a few people that have been out of town, so um, I'm hoping to get that, that recorded soon.
1: So thanks very much, you guys, and hopefully we'll have you both back on here again, and Well,
0: Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Run, Try, Chat. Information and links to the hosts of today's show can be found on the website at runtrychat.blogspot.com. You can contact me at runtrychat at gmail.com, or if you want to connect in a different way, you can click like on the Run, Try, Chat Facebook page, or follow me on Twitter as Run, Try, Chat, or as Kelowna Girl. Music for this show is by the Canadian band Great Big Sea and it can be found on Mevio's Podsafe Music Alley as well as on iTunes. And I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my talented daughter Angie who created the cover art and logo for the podcast. Thanks for listening and happy training.
1: of gestures, little pearls of wisdom that tumble from the